Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Michael Samuel Smith presents some intriguing prophecy teaching concerning King David, and James Collins has a moment of prophecy. Our fall virtual prophecy conference begins in just eight days, October 29th through November the 6th. Great speakers that are all online. Michael Hoggard, Bill Federer, Eric Barger, Billy Crone, Larry Stamm, Greg Patton, James Collins, Dr. Kenneth Hill, and Larry Spargimino. You can watch all the sessions on your schedule when you want as often as you want. Watch anytime between October 29th through November the 6th. Register today for our Fall Virtual Prophecy Conference, swrc.com, and click on Conferences. Or you can register by calling 1-800-652-1144. Michael Samuel Smith comes now and shows how many of the events in King David's life point to the prophecies about Israel's past, present, and future. Michael Samuel Smith is a dear friend, but he's also a great prophetic researcher. He comes up with a lot of things that you might think, well, Brother Mike, where did you get this from? However, if you start looking at the scripture and following through what he's saying, following his logic, his illustrations, his references, you know that Brother Mike is right on the mark. We're talking about the second coming of David. It's a one hour and 20 minute video, and we want to kind of whet your appetite a little bit. And I know once you hear about this video, you'll want the second coming of David. Brother Mike, thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you so much for the invitation, Dr. Spargimino. It's always a pleasure to be with you. What motivated you to create a DVD on the subject of King David, and can you tell us a little bit about who David was? Well, one of the reasons we created this teaching on King David was because he is one of the most important people in the Bible. Even though there are many twists and turns in David's life, we were only able to cover so much in a one-hour, 20-minute DVD. Nevertheless, this is one of the most detailed teachings ever filmed on David and the prophecies behind his story. David was not only the greatest king in Israel's history, but he was also a king, priest, and prophet. He also founded the Judean dynasty and united all the tribes of Israel under a single monarch. King David's most important achievement was that he made Jerusalem the capital of Israel. Here are some important prophetic parallels to King David. When David became king, he was 30 years old. Seven years later, he was the sovereign king over all of Israel with Jerusalem as its capital. David had reigned exactly 40 years and he died at the age of 70. Look at the prophetic profile, and we see number 30, the number 7, the number 40, and the number 70. When we look at Israel's past after the Turks were in control of Jerusalem from 1517 to 1917, 30 years later, after 1917, the United Nations created in Israel on paper in November 1947. 
The campaign between David and Goliath was a 40-day battle. During that 40-day period, David went back to his father's house to feed his father's sheep. It is also plausible he killed a lion and a bear during that 40-day period, but David shows up at the Valley of Elah on the 40th day. That is also the day he will kill Goliath, and victory comes that day. When you take the number of the Jubilee, number 50, and multiply that number against some numbers in the Bible, it opens up great prophecy. So, the campaign against Goliath is 40 days. 40 times 50 gives you the number 2,000. Is it possible it's showing us after approximately 2,000 years, Jesus shows up at the Battle of Armageddon? And just as David takes Jerusalem after reigning seven years, Jesus takes Jerusalem after seven years of tribulation. Well, what about David at his end after 70 years? 70 times 50 is 3,500. Israel actually became a nation when the law was given 3,500 years ago at Mount Sinai. So here we are, 3,500 years later, I guess you can guess what time it is now. Well, Brother Mike, we know the David and Goliath story is one of the greatest events that happened in David's life. Do you have any idea how tall Goliath was, and can you share some important highlights of his fight, and it was a dramatic fight, with David? Well, according to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4, Goliath was six cubits and a span tall. A standard cubit was 18 inches, measured from the elbow to the top middle finger. However, there are some Bible scholars, including Sir Isaac Newton, who claimed a sacred cubit was 25 inches in length, and that could have a connection with the Goliath story. So if that's true, Goliath was 13 feet tall, and a span over that would add another 14 inches. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 7 tells us, Goliath's spear was made of 600 shekels of iron. That means the tip of his spear would have weighed about 23 and a half pounds in Troy weight. By the way, whenever we see the number 600 in the Bible, it prophetically represents warfare. When David arrives at the Valley of Allah to bring food to his brothers, he gets the real story about Goliath. Israel is very fearful and embarrassed because no one has taken on this giant. And David volunteers before King Saul to fight the giant. Saul offers his armor for David to use, but after trying it on, it's very apparent that isn't going to work. So later, David goes down to a brook and picks up five smooth stones to put in his satchel. His only weapon is a sling, but we know God's the real power, in fact, behind David's success. Goliath has challenged Israel that if Israel takes him out, his forces shall serve Israel, and if he, Goliath, prevails, all of Israel's forces will serve him and the Philistines. As David steps out onto the battlefield in 1 Samuel chapter 17, Goliath tells David in verse 44 that he would give David's flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then in verse 45, David responds with, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield, but I come to thee 
in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. In verse 46, David told Goliath, the Lord would deliver him unto his hands, and David would smite him and take his head off him, and that the fowls of the air and the beast of the field would devour his body, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. By the way, this parallels the Armageddon story found in Revelation chapter 19, verses 17 through 21. As David advances towards Goliath, he actually runs towards him, winds up his slingshot, and one stone sinks into Goliath's forehead. We don't know if that hit killed Goliath instantly or if Goliath was temporarily incapacitated, but David was able to approach the giant, remove Goliath's sword from the sheaf, and immediately cut off his head. When the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they immediately fled. Whatever happened to the deal Goliath made with David if he lost? His Philistine forces would serve Israel. Well, like many other battles in Israel's history, Pastor Larry, when they lose, they never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Your DVD is The Second Coming of David. What did you mean by that? Sometime before the Goliath campaign, King Saul was dealing with fits of anger and deep depression. One of Saul's servants suggested a young man down in Bethlehem by the name of David. A son of Jesse was a valiant young man who could play music. It says that in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 18. Perhaps this could cheer up King Saul because David was gifted and that the Lord was with him. So Saul sent for David. David came to the palace and played his harp for the king, and Saul was refreshed. Later, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 15, David goes back home to Bethlehem and feeds his father's sheep. Then Jesse sends David off to the valley of Elah to feed his brothers there. This is the same field that Goliath is terrorizing the Israeli army each morning and evening. King Saul is also there, so this is the second coming of David to Saul. That's what we meant by our title, but there is another second coming of David in our future, and we will cover that. Now, there is another second coming golden nugget in First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 22. It says, and did eat and drink before the Lord on that day with great gladness. And they made Solomon the son of David king the second time and anointed him into the Lord to be chief governor and Zadok to be priest. Now we have to ask the question, why is Solomon crowned a second time? And why is Zadok identified as a high priest? The Cliff Notes answer to this is pointing to Solomon. As you and I know, Solomon is the son of David. There is someone else with that title. It's Jesus Christ, 1,000 years later, who was also called, quote, the son of David. Why is that? 
because the kingship of our God is founded on the Davidic kingdom or lineage of David. And why is Zadok mentioned? We wanted the folks to know Zadok was a high priest to only David and Solomon. The Zodokite priesthood is the only priesthood that never corrupted themselves like the Levitical priesthood. And by the way, when Jesus returns in our future, he resides in a fourth future temple. The Zadok priesthood will be priest in that temple. It says that in Ezekiel chapter 44, verses 15 and 16. While we're on the subject of King Saul, do you have any idea where his palace was located? Most Christians would think it's in Jerusalem, but that couldn't be because the Jebusites, an enemy of Israel, control the city of Jerusalem. King Saul's palace was located just a couple miles north of Jerusalem at Gibeah. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 34 says that. There was a hill overlooking that town, and that's where the palace was. We know at some point in David's story, the prophet Samuel anoints David as a king while David is still a youth. Do you have any idea how old David was when he slew Goliath, and did Samuel anoint David before or after the battle with Goliath? Well, some scholars believe David was about 15 years old. When Samuel anointed David, so it probably wasn't long after that when David killed Goliath. David never told Saul about Samuel anointing him. That anointing is found in 1 Samuel chapter 16. You said that David was 15 years old. Wow. I can imagine how I would have felt at 15 years of age. But certainly, David didn't want the pagans, the Gentiles, the workers of iniquity to insult the God of Israel. So friends, what a lesson there is. We can be small, we can be little, but if we know God, if we're doing God's work and doing God's will, God will strengthen us. But we know Goliath was a Philistine. The Philistines controlled five coastal cities, and their empire was a real challenge to Israel. Aside from Goliath and his giant brothers that Israel had to deal with, do you believe there are any parallels to what America is facing today in 2021? Just as the Philistines controlled five major cities on the Gaza coast, namely Ashdod, Ashkelon, Ekron, Gath, and Gaza, and I had the opportunity to tour those cities back in 1982 with my wife, which was before Israel gave the Gaza Strip area away in 2005. I clearly see a parallel to five major cities on our west coast, namely Los Angeles, Oakland, and San Francisco, California, as well as Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington. And all five of those major cities are controlled by far-left leaders who have no love for Jesus and do not share our biblical worldview. And just as Israel dealt with five tribes of giants found in 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 16 through 22, and 1 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 5 and 6, America is also being taunted 
by five high-tech giants, namely, in alphabetical order, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, and Microsoft. Yes, they all provide a service available to us, but they also conduct surveillance on just about everything that we do, and they do it for money. Now, there is one last talking point. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 16 through 22. David is now about 60 years old. It names the surviving four sons of Goliath who will now be taken out by David's hand. This ends the giants in the land. Looking at verse 20, these brothers had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. Based on this, we can assume Goliath had six fingers and six toes. As a matter of fact, we have actual pictures of real people in our DVD that have six fingers and six toes, so it is a real thing. But what does this have to do with the David and Goliath story? So let's look at Goliath. The Bible says the number of man equates to the number six because he was created on the sixth day. So if the personage of Goliath equates to the number six, generally speaking, and he had six fingers and six toes, a visual, if you will, prophetically speaking, could equate to 666. And by the way, prophetically speaking, Goliath truly is a type and shadow antichrist in the David and Goliath story. And just as David shows up a second time to King Saul, the day victory takes place, Jesus Christ will show up the second time in Armageddon and will take out the Antichrist and all of his forces. Amen. This look into King David, end times, and prophecy will continue next time. Get the complete two-day teaching, The Second Coming of King David, on CD by calling 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online, swrc.com. Michael Samuel Smith's brand new DVD, The Second Coming of David, is available today for a gift of $20 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. Share this compelling teaching with your Sunday school, your family, and friends. The Second Coming of David DVD. Order it today, 1-800-652-1144. Is God finished with Israel? Most pastors today would answer yes. They either believe God has replaced Israel with the church, or they may tell you that Jesus himself fulfilled all the promises and covenants regarding Israel. As a result, they see no prophetic significance in Israel's miraculous rebirth as a nation. Those in this No More Israel camp make two critical mistakes. First, they refuse to believe what the Bible teaches about Israel's role in future prophecy. Despite the Apostle Paul's clear words to the contrary in Romans 11, they deny any future prophetic role for Israel and relegate to allegory biblical promises regarding Israel's future restoration and the Lord Jesus Christ's rule on the throne of David. Second, they fail to see the prophetic significance of worldwide anti-Semitism 
and its accompanying hatred for Israel. My question is this, if Israel no longer has a place in God's future plans, why is Satan continuing to stir up such murderous hatred of the Jewish people and nation? I believe Satan remains bitterly opposed to Israel because he knows the Lord intends to restore a glorious kingdom to the nation when he returns to the earth. Just as he has done in the past, the devil works tirelessly to oppose God's future purposes that will result in Jesus' rule where the devil now reigns. There is little disagreement regarding the devil's past efforts to stop God's plans to bring the Messiah to the earth through his chosen people. Pharaoh attempted to kill all the male children of the Israelites while they were slaves in Egypt. Balaam lured God's people into idolatry. Haman attempted to kill all the Jewish people in the world even after Jesus was born. Herod ordered the killing of all the male children in Bethlehem and the surrounding area that were two years old and younger. If Jesus' birth, ministry, crucifixion, and resurrection marked the end of all the Lord's purposes for Israel, would we not expect to see at least a decrease in the devil's opposition to the Jewish people? However, that is just the opposite of what we see. Satan's opposition to Israel and the Jewish people has continued. Could the Holocaust have happened apart from an intense demonic influence on thousands of people who blindly followed the direction of Hitler in the murder of six million Jews? When Israel became a nation in 1948, the surrounding Arab nations repeatedly attacked despite the fact that Israel occupied just a small amount of land compared with that of her enemies. God, however, miraculously protected the nation again and again and again. Can there be any doubt that God fought for Israel during the Six-Day War in 1967 when he turned what at first appeared to be insurmountable odds and certain devastation of the nation into an astounding victory? That defeat, however, did not cause Satan to abandon his unrelenting hostility. The overwhelming hatred of Israel at the United Nations today is totally unexplainable apart from the work of the devil. In America, the increase in ungodliness has gone hand-in-hand with increasing attacks on synagogues, rabbis, and the Jewish people. We hear anti-Semitic voices even among the Democrats in the United States Congress. I don't believe we can explain the intensity of the demon-inspired attacks against Israel and the Jewish people apart from understanding that God has a vital remaining purpose for them. The only explanation of the high level of hatred for Israel and increasing anti-Semitism in the world has to be the result of the devil knowing that God has a grand purpose for his people, of which the devil is determined to stop. The devil's murderous opposition to Israel makes sense if we take the scriptural prophecies regarding Israel's glorious future literally and not misconstrue them with allegory or overlay them with a covenant understanding that cancels the clear meaning of the Bible. The Old Testament prophets directly referred to the Lord restoring the fortunes of Israel at a still future time a total of 16 times. How can we explain that away with symbolism? 
God fully intends to restore a glorious kingdom to Israel, and he will do it. In Zechariah 12 and 13, the prophet foretells of a widespread spiritual awakening among the Jewish people that will take place just before Christ's return to earth. It's perfectly clear in that text that the prophet has Israel in mind. Zechariah's words cannot refer to the church, nor can we apply a symbolic meaning to them. Staying with the prophet Zechariah in chapter 14 and verse 9, he prophesies that someday the Lord will be king over all the earth. Zechariah then ends his book with a description of Jesus' glorious rule from the city of Jerusalem. Jesus in Matthew 19, 28, in words that cannot be rendered meaningless through allegory or covenant theology, promised his disciples that they would sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. How else could the disciples have understood that promise apart from a kingdom for the nation of Israel? Today, the devil has a new problem. Israel has a powerful military force, a booming economy, and significant wealth through an abundant supply of recently discovered natural resources such as natural gas, oil, and gold. Not only that, but the strongest military force in the world, the United States military, also stands ready to defend Israel against any major attack. So it makes sense then that Satan first would want Israel's most successful and powerful prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, out of the way, along with Israel's most powerful defender, President Donald Trump. With those two in power, any major assault on Israel would be met with limited success at best. On the other hand, with those two leaders out of the way, and America no longer ready to defend the nation at the first sign of trouble, the door would be open for the Gog-Magog War, which appears to be the devil's next step. Both this conflict and the rise to power of the Antichrist with the coming New World Order have one theme in common, the complete and total destruction of Israel. But God is not finished with Israel. God will keep all his promises to Israel. Its future glory will far surpass the time of David and Solomon. The Lord will also not fail in keeping all his promises to us. Just as he promised in passages such as 1 Thessalonians 4:13 through 18, Philippians 3:20 through 21, and 1 Corinthians 15:51 through 55, the Lord will come for his church. He will give both dead and living saints glorious and immortal bodies. He will rapture us up to meet him in the air and take us to his father's house in heaven. Until that day, we say Maranatha. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. This is James Collins reminding you that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. King David is one of the most well-known personalities in all Jewish history. In the brand new DVD, The Second Coming of David, you'll learn more about David than you ever realized before. Be prepared to see many future prophecies come alive as Michael Samuel Smith takes you into the story of King David. Get the Second Coming of David DVD for a gift of $20 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. 
We also have two of Michael Smith's other DVD teachings available today, The Samson Paradox and Joseph in Egypt. These DVDs are available for a gift of $20 each, or you can get all three DVDs for a gift of $40 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. You can always order online, swrc.com. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. Dot com.